Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Higher Dose, a new company I found, and I am loving their products, especially their PEMF mats. They have a best-selling detoxifying infrared sauna blanket. They have grounded infrared PEMF mats with 20 pounds of crystal therapy and a rejuvenating red light mask. The sauna blanket also has an amethyst layer to deepen the benefits of infrared and a tourmaline layer that generates negative ions, plus a charcoal layer to bind to pollutants and amplify the detoxification process. It also has a clay layer, which is balancing for the heat. I love that the sauna blanket is compact, so it's great for those who don't have the room or the budget for a full sauna. For those who want to experience the benefits of infrared without the sweat, they also have a really cool infrared PEMF mat that comes in two sizes. It combines the powerful technology of infrared and healing crystals with PEMF for an unbelievable recharging experience. I have this one in my room and I love using it before bed for improved sleep. I also really like their red light mask, which boosts mood, stimulates collagen, activates glowing skin, can help reduce fine lines and regenerate cells. Light therapy is gentle and non-invasive and it mimics low level wavelengths found in natural sunlight. Their mask is cordless and it also comes with a top strap so that you can do other things while you're using it. I often use it while sitting on the PEMF mat and listening to a podcast or an audiobook. They also have a whole line of supplements to maximize hydration and well-being. You can check out all their products at higherdose.com. And if you use the promo code MAMA15 at checkout, you'll save 15% site-wide. That's higherdose.com and the code MAMA, M-A-M-A 15. This episode is sponsored by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end. It's the personal care company I co-founded when I couldn't find products that I felt comfortable using on my family that worked as well as conventional alternatives. My focus was figuring out the 80-20 of products that account for the most harmful chemical exposure and making safer alternatives that work just as well. We started out with oral care and hair care and now also have a safe natural deodorant that actually works. By changing out just these products in your routine, you can reduce your chemical exposure by as much as 80% and these products are safe for the whole family. Wellness has three types of remineralizing toothpaste, original whitening mint, whitening charcoal, and natural strawberry for kids. These are all include hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that is found in tooth enamel. So it works to naturally strengthen, remineralize, and whiten teeth. The deodorant has a neutral scent and is designed to work without causing irritation like many natural deodorants do. And the hair care is designed as hair food focused on nourishing your hair and scalp for healthier hair the longer you use it. Check out all of our products at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and this episode is all about ADHD, anxiety, and don't tell me to relax. I'm here with Kelly Rompel, who is a pharmacist and functional medicine consultant specializing in the natural management of ADHD and anxiety. She's the author of Don't Tell Me to Relax, host of the Rebel White Coat podcast and founder of Wild Roots Wellness. And she was a pharmacist and then came into a holistic approach as she worked through healing her own struggles with focus and anxiety. And then she went on to earn additional health coaching and epigenetic certifications through IIN, Aperion Academy, and the Almond Brain Clinics. And she now focuses on helping her clients uncover the root causes contributing to their difficulty with focus or anxiety. And in this episode, we go deep on that, the common root causes she sees for these things, the dopamine connection, and why ADHD is not just a dopamine deficiency, as we're often told. We talk about common gut issues and how they present in the brain and body. We talk about other factors that contribute to these issues that people don't always realize. 
why ADHD and anxiety often go hand in hand. We talk about the vitamin and mineral deficiencies that often play a role and why we see these issues together. We talk about the importance of continually asking why instead of just treating the symptom. We talk about the ice baths, dopamine production connection, the importance of protein consumption for producing neurotransmitters, a tip for just changing up your caffeine consumption timing that can make a big difference. We talk about underlying infections that can be a source of stress on the body and so much more. So let's join Kelly. Kelly, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to chat with you and we're going to get to go deep on ADHD and anxiety and a bunch of other things as well. Before we do, I have a note from your bio that you also have a a houseplant addiction. And so I would love to compare notes on what kind and how many. Oh my gosh, they're all over the place. Our house has a ton of windows. I'm a lover of natural light. So I have them all over. I mean, you name it. Snake. I think aloes are my favorite. So I've got a ridiculous amount of aloes and they're huge and they're beautiful. But I mean, I've got, I've got tons of different kinds. And to be very honest, I'm not well-versed on the names of them. I just like the way they look. That's how I choose them. Me too. My recent thing has been building plant walls where I just like salvaged some branches from outside and turned them into hanging plant walls. And I think I have like three now in my house. So it's getting a little excessive, but I'm not complaining at all. I know. I love it. It's like once a week I go on water everything and I'm like, this is becoming like kind of a task. You know, it takes quite a while, but I love it. Oh, that's awesome. It's definitely something we have in common. Um, And I'm really excited to delve into your work today too, because I think your expertise is especially relevant to a lot of the people listening. So to start off kind of just with some background, maybe kind of walk us through, because from my understanding, you used to be in the pharmacy space and now you're in functional medicine and that's a little bit of a shift. So what was the impetus for that shift? Yeah, quite the shift. So gosh, I found a love for natural medicine and a holistic approach just based off my own struggles with my health. I think that's how a lot of us kind of start wanting to help people in a, in a bigger way. So I, I think it all started when I was, you know, I was younger, I had a high functioning anxiety, always got super overwhelmed very easily, very sensitive child. And looking back, I was frustrated a lot because I had a hard time with focus. I always felt like I had to try extra hard in school and, but I had a lot of that high functioning anxiety, right? So I that would push me. So I did get okay grades and I always tried really hard and I did make it into pharmacy school, but I think everything kind of came to a head in college. I was probably in my last year or two of pharmacy school and I found myself in the doctor's office and they're like, you need a colonoscopy. You've got anxiety. You've got depression. We've got to figure out what's going on with your gut health. And not once During any of those conversations with multiple doctors, did anybody ask me what my lifestyle was like, what my diet was like, and even like my, my relationships and my spiritual life, nobody asked me any questions. They just scheduled me for more appointments and gave me more meds. And so if they would have asked me, I would have told them I was eating ramen noodles constantly. I was drinking rum and Cokes. I was in toxic relationships. I was stressed out. I was not sleeping. And looking back, I just, I wish somebody would have asked me more questions. So pretty embarrassing, but I found myself getting a colonoscopy actually next to my dad. I told my mom, I was like, I need a colonoscopy. She's like, oh, well, I'll just set your dad up for one too. He's due. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm getting prepped next to my dad at the age of 22. I'm like, this is just so wrong. So anyways, I leave there with really no, no answers, just 
four prescription meds with the diagnosis of anxiety, depression, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, ulcers. And so I, they sent me on my way. So behind the pharmacy counter working and it kind of just hit me one day, super frustrated. I wasn't feeling any better. I had tons of side effects from the meds that I was on and I was becoming a part of that vicious cycle that I was seeing every single day behind the pharmacy counter. And I, I saw people all the time come in for, they gave me a prescription. They came back the next month, higher dose, more side effects. They get another med to cover those side effects. I just, I was in it. I was in that same vicious cycle. And so it, it hit me. My frustration sent me into more research from natural medicine and I finally started to find a holistic approach that worked for me, really started looking into my nutrition, dealt with maybe some toxic relationship stuff that I was going through at the time, really cleaned up my my diet and and got back onto better health for myself and quickly became obsessed with helping other people do the same. So that's kind of what landed me from the pharmacy space to functional medicine. And just, it was a slow progression, honestly, over time of me kind of leaving pharmacy slowly and building up my clientele. And now I'm, I'm full-time in the functional medicine space. I love that. And that seems to be a very common story. It's mine as well of like having our own health struggles leading us into answers and then having the desire to help other people as well um, to hopefully shorten that curve for others. And it's definitely no secret that things like anxiety and depression and ADHD, along with every other chronic health condition are all on the rise right now. And so I'd love to kind of dissect some of the reasons that you think that's the case and maybe also start to talk about the root cause approach, which I know is sort of foundational to the work that you do. Um, Because I I love that you mentioned the gut connection there as well. And I know I would guess this is maybe one of them, but sadly, it seems like in the mainstream medicine world, at least we're we're not seeing the jump to the root cause approach. We're still seeing the symptom-based treatment approach. So um, yeah, maybe walk us through what are you seeing some of the root causes and foundational issues going on here? Yeah, great question. So I, for all of my clients, I run a combination of advanced functional lab testing and genetics. So what I'm looking for are underlying root causes that are contributing to symptoms. I fully respect that ADHD can have a genetic component, but running the labs allows me to see other things that are worsening symptoms like gut health involvement, like you mentioned. Candida overgrowth is a big one. Candida really gives off these toxins and can cause a lot of brain fog, difficult with difficulty with focus. So candida is a huge one. Not only that, but it causes a lot of malabsorption, which can lead to vitamin and mineral deficiencies, which also are going to impact ADHD. Because if we're vitamin and mineral deficient, we're not able to produce dopamine. And so that, you know, we're taught that ADHD is just a dopamine deficiency. And that's one thing too, that I want people to realize that that's just, that's not the full story. Everyone said it's, it's, you know, it's dopamine, dopamine deficiency and it's genetics. And there's so much more under the surface with vitamin and mineral deficiencies and candida, even omega fatty acid imbalances are involved there as well. Heavy metal toxicities. That's another one. So I look for a a lot of these different things on the labs and we start there and really getting um, into gut health. Like, of course we want to know if you're vitamin and mineral deficient, but that's not the full story for me. That's not a good enough answer. I want to know why, because a lot of times it's not just diet. It's not good enough to say, okay, you're deficient because of diet alone. Why do you have maldigestion? Do you have malabsorption? Do you have candida overgrowth, bacterial overgrowth? What is going on and why is there so much inflammation? That's what I want to know. So we can correct the underlying things that are contributing to your symptoms. That makes sense. And I would guess is a much more um, intensive and comprehensive 
protocol and approach than someone would get if they're just running one of these things or running labs in isolation and then sort of like spot treating with the medication. But it makes sense. I would guess most people listening are familiar with the idea that so much of what happens in our brain originates in the gut. And thankfully, the gut-brain connection has been well talked about recently. But can you give examples of maybe some common things you see in the gut and how they may present in the body or in the brain in various ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So candida overgrowth, I'll kind of go back to that since it's so prevalent. I see that in a large percentage of my clients and that presents as a lot of sugar cravings, brain fog, anxiety, trouble with focus. And it actually affects the methylation process in your body too, which is affecting your neurotransmitter production imbalance. So that's a really great place to start is, is with candida and bacterial overgrowth. So that's, that's a big one. I would say that's, that's the best place to start because I can give you, I tell my clients all the time. I, I, of course I can see your deficiencies and I can throw you on a bunch of supplements and tell you to eat better. But if you've got an underlying gut issue with malabsorption or a lack of digestive enzymes, even if you're not breaking down protein and absorbing that appropriately, protein's a building block of dopamine. So I, I need to figure out underlying the surface first what is causing your malabsorption, your maldigestion, and that's what we focus on first. And a lot of times that's an imbalance of the gut, whether candida or bacterial overgrowth or even parasites. Parasites can play a role as well and cause a lot of anxiety and brain fog. And I'm curious, like if people are able to pinpoint this, which is awesome, because like I said, a lot of times they're not even pinpointing the root cause to begin with. I know that there are ways to resolve all of these things, but what's that curve look like? Is it typically like, do patients start to see results pretty quickly or is this a longer curve because we're dealing with gut issues? Yeah, it, it everyone's different, but yeah, gut issues. I mean, the gut does not become inflamed overnight. And just as it, it takes the same, you know, to heal it, it's it's not an overnight thing. And so I always tell clients, like, let's we gotta be patient. We start with the what we see on labs. Do we see candida, bacterial overgrowth? Let's start there and and work on you know, more of a whole food diet as well, cutting out food sensitivities that could be contributing as well. And really watching toxin overload. That's a big one. That's a a lot of times not considered in in Western medicine is heavy metal toxin overload. And what that can do as well, the toxins in candida and yeast are best friends in the gut. And so dealing with the gut health is just the best place to, to start, in my opinion. And are there other things happening sometimes that are contributing to like ADHD and anxiety symptoms that people may not even realize outside of these, some of these connections we've already talked about? Yes. So I think we have to also look at trauma. You know, I'm not a specialist with trauma, but trauma, we do have to consider that as being in, impacting our ADHD and anxiety. And well, and I say ADHD and anxiety because they often go hand in hand. It's very rare that I work with a client that doesn't have a combination of the both. And that makes sense on a biological level. And but yeah, trauma, that's another thing. Heavy metals, like I said, gosh, high functioning anxiety, that's all going to contribute. I'm trying to think I'll kind of contribute. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, food, food dyes and additives. That's another big one that people tend to not realize is that our, we've got so many food dyes and additives and sweeteners and artificial flavors and um, added to our foods. And that can cause ADHD things are symptoms as well. And we actually, a lot of my clients have genetics that make them more prone to having issues with food additives, which is super interesting. So that's another reason I like to run genetics on clients too. 
Yeah, I, I'm so excited that we live in a time where we actually have access to this data and can combine the genetic side with labs and kind of watch what's happening in real time, which is another reason I also love the functional medicine approach so much because it's actually taking into account all of the things we now have the ability to measure and look at. You mentioned ADHD and anxiety often go hand in hand. Can you explain more about why this is, why we often see them together? Yeah, a lot of the same vitamin and mineral deficiencies play a role with both, exacerbating the symptoms of both. So if we're deficient in things like magnesium, B vitamins, zinc, gosh, vitamin D, that's another one, iron, all of these can, when they're, when you're low on those, it can all contribute to ADHD and anxiety symptoms. So because again, we need, we need these vitamins and minerals in order to produce our neurotransmitters like dopamine to keep us focused or serotonin to keep us calm and happy or GABA to keep us, you know, that's our natural relaxant. And so if we're low on these vitamins and minerals, we are going to be deficient in some of these neurotransmitters. They're all connected because it's a lot of the same vitamin and mineral deficiencies that can cause worsening symptoms of ADHD and anxiety. And also the gut health stuff too. So the candida, as, as well, the overgrowth of that, a bacterial overgrowth that's releasing neurotoxins that mimics ADHD and brain fog and anxiety. Um, so a lot of this stuff goes hand in hand. And that's why a lot of people present with a combination of ADHD and anxiety and even gut health issues like, like myself. It's that's I call it the trifecta. Those three together I see quite often. Yeah, and it makes sense that so much of that would be rooted in the gut. It's also definitely no secret that ADHD is on the rise in both kids and adults. I hear from a lot of people who have children who have received that diagnosis and also a whole lot of people who received that diagnosis as an adult and never knew they had it as a child. Um, in fact, I had this experience a couple of years ago where I got a brain scan done just because I had had TBIs in the past. And one of the questions they asked me was, you know, has your ADHD ever been a problem? And I was like, well, that's actually the first I've heard of it. So no, but it was really fascinating to see that. Then we were able to now my brain scans don't show any of the markers of ADHD. But I thought that was really interesting because, uh, and you know, there's like a lot of debate. Is this because we're testing more and the testing is or because there's more awareness? Or um, is it because, like you mentioned, we've seen drastic changes in our food supply and there's a lot more things that are irritating to the gut in what we encounter on a daily basis. But what's your take on that? Or is it both? Gosh, I think both. I do think that we have better testing available now. And gosh, it's so it sounds so silly to say, but social media and TikTok has brought so much awareness around this. And also, I think there's such stereotypes around what ADHD, you know, quote unquote, looks like. And when we think of ADHD, oftentimes we think of the stereotypical hyper young boy in school who can't focus. We don't think of that ADHD can often look like overstimulation from, from hearing and feeling and seeing too much of everything. I often deal with this. I can get overstimulated, very sensitive. We have a harder time regulating our emotions. We get easily overwhelmed. We get sensory overload. We're just, we're, we're sensitive and this can look different for everybody. So I do think it's sometimes gets missed, but we, we do have the power of social media and more awareness around it and better testing. So I think it's a combination of both. I just want people to realize that they don't have to just take their ADHD diagnosis and take that label and, and think that that medic medicine and genetics is the only thing involved or, you know, a need for medicine rather. So I would, I would love for people to look further and ask more questions, you know, why 
why, why do I have these symptoms? Why do, why am I developing it now as an adult? Why, or why did I get diagnosed so young? Ask more questions. Why let's dig deeper. And that's why functional labs and genetics are so important. Yeah. That's a recurring theme for me in health and in life in general is just keep asking why until you actually get to the first principles of what's going on. And as exhausting as it is as a mom, some days I even encourage my kids always ask why and keep asking why till you get to the actual answer. But that lines up with a really fascinating study that I believe came out in July of this year that all the headlines were talking about, you know, depression and anxiety not caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain or the serotonin issues just relative to the brain that we always thought, which brings into question our medications that just look at that actually effective in the long term. And I was really glad to see that kind of brought to the forefront of the media and people actually starting to talk about this. But I'm really curious your take with your background in pharmacy as well. I'm sure you're very well versed in those medications and how they work. And you already explained how it's often much more root cause thing than just something treatable by a a single medication. But what was your take on that idea that depression and anxiety are not just chemical imbalances in the brain? I was so happy when that study came out just because I think it gives more awareness and and more answers to people who are frustrated in the fact that it's like, well, why? Why do I have this this anxiety or depression? And why is the med my only answer? So yes, I was I loved that that study came out. And I I agree in the fact that not all of this is just the quote unquote chemical imbalance. I don't think that we have a deficiency of, of medication. I'm not saying medications, I'm not against medication by any means. I mean, I'm a pharmacist. I realize that it's life-saving a lot of times for a lot of people, and that's fantastic. But some people don't agree with medication. They don't tolerate it. They've got terrible side effects. And so to go back to the chemical imbalance thing, yes, I, I do think that chemical imbalances can play a role, but I'm more concerned as to why. Again, it goes back to why. Is there something in my life that I need that I'm not getting? Do Am I too stressed? Am I vitamin and mineral deficient? Am I eating uh, foods that I shouldn't be eating? Or am I in you know a traumatic situation or a toxic relationship? Or have I been through traumas in the past that are altering the way my brain is working? It's just more about looking at all these other reasons why. I don't think blaming it on just a chemical imbalance is appropriate. Yeah. And I think that's a very important perspective on this too. It it seems like there very much can be, especially maybe in the short term, a both and approach that it's not an either or this is always bad or this is always good. So much as a, if those medications are needed, it would seem like they would also be more effective when combined with looking at diet and lifestyle and a more holistic view. And, And I would even add things to the list of like light exposure and what we know about that and circadian biology and sleep and how pivotal that is for neurotransmitters and so much more. And, you know, diet, just to make sure we're not actually ingesting things that are making the problem worse. Even if you do go the medication route, I would guess those things also will help you have better results and maybe remove the need for medication eventually. Like for me, I I haven't been on any medication for any of these specific conditions, but I was for several years for my thyroid. And there was a point where I did need thyroid hormone to help my body get back into balance. But when I address the underlying issues, I was able to not need that anymore. Do you see kind of the same thing with ADHD and anxiety patients? 
Yes, exactly. And oftentimes a lot of people make, when clients come to me, they are on med- medications. They want to get off of them. That's their goal. Or they want to stay on medications and maybe just manage their symptoms a little bit better. And so the goal isn't always to go natural, but that's a, oftentimes why, why clients come to me. But yeah, combining things like increasing protein intake, working on correcting and healing the gut health, underlying gut health issues and avoiding the food dyes and food additives meditating. Meditating is huge. These are all things that we can do in addition to the medication that eventually might be able to get off meds with all these additions of lifestyle things like using um, ice baths. I know this is kind of trending right now and it's kind of getting, you know, people are picking up on it. It's gaining popularity, but it does help with dopamine production. So I've seen people that have done nothing else besides just add in ice baths. And that's been enough for them to take a more natural approach and get off medications eventually. There's a lot of things that you can do as far as like adding in supplementation as well, using music therapy and meditation, like I mentioned. So lots of lifestyle things that you can use in addition to to take a natural approach. Yeah. And also, I love that you brought up in the past the trauma connection as well. And I know that's not within the scope of what we're going to cover today. But for anyone who is aware of something like that in their life, I also second your recommendation to find whatever resources you need to delve into that. Because at least for me personally, that was actually the most pivotal thing I did for my physical health. And it wasn't something I thought about doing for a long time because I just didn't understand how much those things are intricately connected. You also mentioned protein intake, and I would love to go a little deeper on this because I think this is an important message for women on so many levels, including things like lean muscle mass maintenance as we age and how that correlates to longevity. But I know there's also a gut and neurotransmitter connection and it comes into play here as well. So can you give us the sort of reasons from the work that you do on why protein consumption is important? Yeah, Yeah, protein contains the amino acids that are the building blocks of of dopamine. And so just for that reason alone, it's really important to get enough protein in our diet. But yeah, you mentioned lean muscle mass. And gosh, I I just was speaking with a client earlier today, and we were talking about insulin resistance. And as we age and how we lose muscle mass, and that's like the fountain of youth, right? And so we were talking about how we've got to get her back onto lifting weights a few times a week and just what it does for our metabolism. And and um, our insulin sensitivity, it's just really important. So yes, protein, as far as the amino acid profile for building dopamine is super important, but also for our, you know, for building that lean muscle mass as well. And I also like to, to make sure people know that to eat a balanced diet, I'm going to go into caffeine for a second, because people hate when I do this, but I have to, I, I'm just going to kind of veer off here, but hear me out. Protein, I always like to make sure people get protein in the morning, especially with amino or I'm sorry, ADHD, so they can make dopamine for their day. Also exercising first thing in the morning, super important for dopamine production throughout the day. But one thing I I work with women a lot and has not a whole lot to do with ADHD, but a lot of women are drinking caffeine on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. I know a lot of times we don't have an appetite first thing in the morning. They're drinking the caffeine on the empty stomach. It's making their cortisol go through the roof, they're inflamed. And um, it's making 
them um, have hormone imbalances as well. And so I bring it up because it's so it goes hand in hand with what I see on the labs. And it's just one other thing, but really making sure that we are exercising and lifting weights is really, really helpful. And as, as well as protein intake. Sorry, I know I went a bunch of different directions there. But I just I wanted to mention the caffeine on an empty stomach, because it does cause a lot of cortisol release, and blood sugar imbalances and, you know, insulin resistance, and over and inflammation over time. So just another thing I see in the lab that I just wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. And I think this is super important and impactful because I think anytime we can make a change that is just related to maybe the timing of doing certain things without having to remove certain behaviors or just you know mix up the order of things to get better results, there tends to be a higher compliance because we're not asking people to remove something that they love like coffee. But if you can just switch the method by which you're doing that, and I know I've seen this play out for me, Um, like I said, not related to anxiety, but related to just physical health and thyroid health is when I started really prioritizing that morning sunlight, which also ties into the cortisol patterns you mentioned. And then waiting, delaying my caffeine intake, which I know Andrew Huberman has made really popular lately, and I'm so glad he's doing this. But if we can just delay caffeine consumption for 90 or 120 minutes, that changes how it's interacting with the denosine and really makes an impact in our also wakefulness later in the day and our sleep at night. So my normal pattern is get up and and get in the sunlight, drink water with minerals in it, get protein for breakfast, and then drink caffeine. And so I'm not, I haven't changed what I'm actually doing. I just changed the order of it. And it's made a big difference in my energy levels. And I would guess someone maybe who's already struggling with dopamine issues would see probably an even bigger result from that. Yes, I I love that. And I do similar. So I, I was big for a while on drinking caffeinated pre-workout. I would hit the gym. I love that feeling of, you know, that high energy feeling. I loved it. But I started realizing over time, it was really, really causing a lot more anxiety. It was starting to cause some hormone imbalances. And so I had, I had to get rid of the caffeine. Plus I saw in my genetic testing that I'm a slow metabolizer with caffeine. So what I was drinking in the morning was sticking with me at night. And that was slowing up our, um, I wasn't, it was affecting my sleep a whole lot. And I loved how you brought up sleep because that plays a huge role with ADHD too. The following day, you, everyone knows if you don't sleep well at night, the next day, the focus is, is way worse. And so I had to give up caffeine and I noticed such a positive shift when I did that. And, in, and instead I drink a morning smoothie now, instead of doing my pre-workout, I drink my morning smoothie first and I can still have caffeine. Like, you know, I still, I like matcha just, I kind of go lower on the caffeine scale. I don't do the, you know, the crazy pre-workout anymore, but I like to have my morning smoothie. And this is, you know, I like to bring in a balanced meal, especially first thing in the morning, lots of protein. So I do scoop of protein powder. I do Greek yogurt for extra protein, some chia seeds for iron and healthy fats, half of an avocado for healthy fats, fruit, almond butter. So not low calorie, but balanced. And then after that, if I want to have some caffeine, I can, but I've got some good protein on board and some healthy fats and carbs and a balanced meal to where that doesn't spike my cortisol so bad and cause additional anxiety. Yeah, I do something very similar. I'm a big fan of smoothie in the morning, especially because it's harder for me to eat a big volume of food in the morning and chew that much when I'm still waking up. So I love hitting, I feel like I have experimented to find out I feel great when I can hit like 50 grams of protein in the morning, which I know is a big number for a lot of people. And that that's personal to me. So that might not convert for everyone, but I notice a big difference when I get enough calories and enough protein first thing in the morning. And it just is much more doable when I can drink it versus chew it first thing in the morning like that. 
Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I do much better with a smoothie, something simple in the morning. A heavy meal doesn't agree with me either. And it doesn't agree with a lot of my clients. And I hear that quite a bit. So I try to get them on some kind of smoothie, a balanced smoothie. And that seems to really help with focus. It's helped even my kids. I, my eight-year-old daughter, I was getting, uh, you know, messages sent home that, you know, she's not focused and she's having a hard time focusing in class. And I just, you imagine this is what I do for a living. And so it crushed, it crushed me. I was like, oh my gosh. So we had to switch up what she was eating for breakfast and switch up her supplements and just the breakfast alone. I mean, you get into a habit, you're in the, in the morning, it's busy, especially I got three young kids. It's busy. It's like, get a bowl of cereal. Let's get out the door. Well, it's just, it was just carbs for her. And that wasn't sticking with her. There wasn't enough protein in the morning. And so she was having issues with focus. I switched her to that smoothie that I was just talking about and more supplements in the morning made a world of difference. Her teacher got back with me a couple, like two weeks later, she's like different kid. So sometimes it's just tweaking of our protein intake and our supplementation can make a world of difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think, a common tip that I give to moms as well is if your kids are struggling with any of those issues or sleep issues, see if you can get them more protein earlier in the day, because food is also a signaling mechanism for our circadian biology. You know, like food and light are both very important. And so if you can optimize those in kids, they they see a result, I feel like, even faster than adults typically do when you get those things dialed in. Um, are there any other tips specific to women and hormones that you see as commonly helpful in people that you work with? Women and their hormones. Oh, the caffeine's of such a big one and stress, stress and our hormones. So when it comes to us, I mean, just the world we live in nowadays, we're all stressed. It's a bit, especially it's a busy time of year right now too. And uh, we've got to remember when we're stressed, our bodies prioritize cortisol and dealing with our stressful situation over anything else. And so take, for example, like caffeine on an empty stomach that spikes your cortisol, right? And so your body goes into fight or flight and it's prioritizing. It doesn't realize you're just drinking caffeine. It thinks that there's some, like there's an emergency. So our body's prioritizing, you know, releasing cortisol and dealing with this emergency. Our bodies aren't thinking about producing sex hormones. They're not thinking about digesting right now. They're thinking about surviving. And so I I often remind women and we've got to get our stress down. I know it's easier said than done, but when you're stressed out and producing all this cortisol, you're body is focusing on that and not everything else. And that can cause a lot of hormone imbalance down the line. So, you know, bringing in meditation, doing whatever it is that you need, that's self-care to you. For me, I love walking. I love meditating. I love journaling. I love listening to music. These are just the things that I, I love that bring me peace. And I try to bring in little moments of peace throughout my day, whether I need a little dance break, whether I need to walk on my treadmill in the middle of the day, what, whatever I need, sit down and journal to kind of give, give me that peace and meditate, whatever. Um, and that really helps, you know, my anxiety as well. And, you know, to, to de-stress. Yeah. And you brought up such an important point, which is that we all know that stress is becoming increasingly problematic. We know this is epidemic in our society, but stress is not just mental stress that we feel and identify as stress. From our body's perspective, stress can be like we mentioned with trauma. You might have underlying trauma that you're not acutely aware of, but that's causing you to operate in a more sympathetic nervous system state. Or you mentioned caffeine it can be perceived as that stress in your body, even if your perception of it is that you feel great when you have caffeine because it makes you feel better. Or um, one thing I identified for me personally was under eating for so many years because of my thyroid and trying to lose weight was actually creating a lot of stress on my body. And 
really getting a focus of nourishing myself, the protein that we talked about, and like really hyper-focusing on how can I maximize nutrient density in the volume of food I'm eating instead of worrying about calories and macros, but just like sending that safety mechanism to my body of you're not starving. We have access to enough nutrients, not just food, but nutrients. And then optimizing those light and caffeine and sleep things really made a huge difference on my hormones over time. Yeah, exactly. And I love that you brought up physical stress because one thing I didn't mention was the underlying infection and how that can bring additional stress and inflammation on our body. And again, our body is more worried about prioritizing that. So I see that a lot with, with labs and, and candida overgrowth. I mean, tons of people are walking around with the underlying candida infection. They don't even realize it. I mean, from just antibiotic use, standard American diet, alcohol intake, and heavy metal overload, all these things are going to contribute to candida overgrowth. And so when you've got an underlying infection or say it's parasites, your body, again, is prioritizing and worrying about that. And we we get overloaded. Our, our immune systems are overloaded and we can get sick more often, more inflamed, and that can lead to other diseases, cancers, autoimmune, a lot of other stuff down the line. That makes sense. This podcast is brought to you by Higher Dose, a new company I found, and I am loving their products, especially their PEMF mats. They have a best-selling detoxifying infrared sauna blanket. They have grounded infrared PEMF mats with 20 pounds of crystal therapy and a rejuvenating red light mask. The sauna blanket also has an amethyst layer to deepen the benefits of infrared and a tourmaline layer that generates negative ions, plus a charcoal layer to bind to pollutants and amplify the detoxification process. It also has a clay layer, which is balancing for the heat. I love that the sauna blanket is compact, so it's great for those who don't have the room or the budget for a full sauna. For those who want to experience the benefits of infrared without the sweat, they also have a really cool infrared PEMF mat that comes in two sizes. It combines the powerful technology of infrared and healing crystals with PEMF for an unbelievable recharging experience. I have this one in my room and I love using it before bed for improved sleep. I also really like their red light mask which boosts mood, stimulates collagen, activates glowing skin, can help reduce fine lines and regenerate cells. Light therapy is gentle and non-invasive and it mimics low-level wavelengths found in natural sunlight. Their mask is cordless and it also comes with a top strap so that you can do other things while you're using it. I often use it while sitting on the PEMF mat and listening to a podcast or an audiobook. They also have a whole line of supplements to maximize hydration and well-being. You can check out all their products at higherdose.com. And if you use the promo code MAMA15 at checkout, you'll save 15% site-wide. That's higherdosedose.com and the code MAMA, M-A-M-A-15. This episode is sponsored by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end. It's the personal care company I co-founded when I couldn't find products that I felt comfortable using on my family that worked as well as conventional alternatives. My focus was figuring out the 80-20 of products that account for the most harmful chemical exposure and making safer alternatives that work just as well. We started out with oral care and hair care and now also have a safe natural deodorant that actually works. By changing out just these products in your routine, you can reduce your chemical exposure by as much as 80%. And these products are safe for the whole family. Wellness has three types of remineralizing toothpaste, original whitening mint, whitening charcoal, and natural strawberry for kids. These are all include hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that is found in tooth enamel. So it works to naturally strengthen, remineralize, and whiten teeth. The deodorant has a neutral scent and is designed to work without causing irritation like many natural deodorants do. And the hair care 
is designed as hair food, focused on nourishing your hair and scalp for healthier hair the longer you use it. Check out all of our products at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. I also know often medications and or stimulants in general as a category are recommended for people, especially those with ADHD. And these are now even being given to children in what to me without a background in pharmacy seems like kind of alarming doses. I'm curious your take on that and to understanding around, is it possible for people who have anxiety or depression or ADHD to work through that and to function without stimulants of whatever source we're talking about? Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I do it every single day with my clients. I've had clients on stimulants for 10, 15 years and were able to get off of them. And uh, uh, yes, it is alarming to me that that kids are being put on stimulants. And I do understand as a parent, gosh, I have empathy because as a parent who, you know, if you're getting notes sent home, right, your kid's out of focus, they're out of control, they're on the principles. It's like, you just want to help your child. And so I'm not against it, but gosh, I want parents to ask more questions and really understand that they can alter what their child's eating and that might help. They can put them on supplements and that that can help as well. But yes, uh, I don't think that unfortunately, I don't think stimulants should be first line. I think that diet, lifestyle, nutrition should be first line. And I know you have a course on this as well called Beyond Dopamine. So I'd love to understand more about that and like, what are some ways that we can over time start to get back into homeostasis with this and increase our dopamine production naturally? Yeah. Yeah. I do have a course um, that it goes into mood, focus, and energy. Uh, Those are kind of the three pillars that I work with the most and really looking into root cause without doing so labs and genetic testing is not within the budget, you can take a course of mine for free called Beyond Dopamine. And we do talk about lifestyle, diet, nutrition, things that we can change in order to boost our dopamine naturally. And some of those things, I mean, we talked about a lot already, but protein intake, exercise, and even yoga, yoga is a great one. I call that a heavy hitter exercise. Of course, I want you to lift weights too. And, and, you know, make sure you maintain your muscle mass, but, and yoga is a great way to, to maintain strength as well. But doing yoga, it boosts GABA, which is a natural relaxant and balancing on one leg, which is what we often do in, in yoga. That actually is a dopamine booster as well. So I often recommend my clients trying to work in a combination of weightlifting as well as yoga. Yoga can be great for for ADHD as well. But also meditation's huge. And I know, gosh, for somebody with high functioning anxiety and just difficulty with focus anyways, you tell somebody to meditate, a lot of times they like growl at you. And I get that. And it's something that you can work towards getting better at. And you can do a walking meditation to start with. It doesn't mean you have to sit down for a half an hour at a time and and be silent and have no thoughts. I mean, that's torturous to a lot of people. But I am a big fan of walking meditations to start off with and then slowly easing into maybe deeper meditations like with Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'm a huge fan of his work. And uh, meditation is just, uh, just such a great one that actually can alter gene expression too, which is so cool. But ice baths, like I mentioned, listening to alpha brainwave music. And a- if you've got Spotify, you can listen. There's ADHD music tracks on there uh, to boost do- dopamine and brown noise for focus and like supplements as well. So supplements, I mean, I think most people should be on 
a really good multivitamin, a B complex. These are a lot of the deficiencies, the common ones that I see, magne magnesium deficiency. I love to have to put most of my clients on and everyone's different. So, uh, but magnesium glycinate is a really great one that crosses the blood brain barrier. So B vitamins, mag, omegas, that's another one I was forgetting to mention, omega-3 supplements. So like a fish oil with EPA and DHA is great for ADHD as well. But then I also like to dive into other funds, one like fun ones like lion's mane or uh, L-theanine for calm focus, NAC. That's another one of my favorites. That one helps to increase dopamine, helps your body detox more efficiently and improves your cognitive function. So those are some of my favorites. L-tyrosine is a good one too. Yeah, definitely. I echo on the magnesium. It seems like, especially for women, but pretty much for everyone in today's world, magnesium deficiency is an increasing problem. And I even had Chris Cress around here a while back and he for years was very food first focused when it came to whenever possible, get everything from food. And he even said, you know, in today's world, we now live in a, in a world where the, the food supply is so depleted that it becomes increasingly difficult and impossible in some cases to actually get enough strictly from food, especially with things like magnesium. Um, and the the volume of food we would have to eat to get enough magnesium. So he said, you know, he now almost universally recommends that as well, which leads me to the question with the caveat, of course, that there's going to be individualization and personalization and testing and caveat to all of this. Are there any patterns that you see emerging as very common or almost universal, either good or bad things when it comes to gut health and ADHD and anxiety? Yeah, a lot of the patterns I see overgrowth of candida. I just, I keep saying it and I sound like a broken record, but it's just so common. And like you mentioned with the magnesium deficiency, I was going to say, I, I think I've yet to see a client who's not deficient in magnesium. It's just so common. So yes, as far as gut health, the candida is one of the biggest underlying ones and even parasites. And I used to do a lot of stool analysis for people and parasite testing would almost always come back negative. And as last resort for some clients, if they were still having symptoms, we would do a parasite cleanse. And sure enough, sure enough, they had parasites that didn't show on their stool analysis. So that's another one that's you know a common trend that I see, but lots of deficiencies in B vitamins. Omega imbalances are huge. If you're not getting a lot of fish in your diet, you're probably deficient in omega-3s. And we, omega-3 deficiency can often mimic ADHD symptoms as well. So that's that's another big one. And for people who maybe are resonating with this and are no, know that they have one or both of these things going on, walk us through what it looks like to work with you as a client. Because I know the, the functional approach is different than what people may have experienced in a more mainstream medical model. And I know you have the background in both. So I would guess you bring a very balanced approach. But what does it look like when someone comes to you for the first time and you take them on as a client? Yeah. So I send you lab kits to your home. These are advanced lab kits. They're all in-home collections. It's really very simple. You send everything back to the lab. And then I take a one-on-one -on -one approach with my clients because this, this needs to be such a personalized approach. It's when you work with me, you are working with me one-on-one -on -one, as well as with a certified health coach who is specialized in, in ADHD as well, which is so it's such a nice addition to have a health coach on board too, because I'm I'm kind of behind all the labs and the genetics and I'm like the science nerd and I love to explain root cause. And when you're on the one-on-one -on -one calls with me, we're really digging in deep. So you understand what your labs mean, where your deficiencies lie, where the imbalances are. And then we come up with a personalized plan of action for you. And then you are going to be connected with a, a certified health coach as well, who's really going to help simplify 
because I give a lot of information and there, you know, it kind of can be overwhelming to say, okay, well now I've got to do this, this, and this, and this. And that's why a certified health coach can come on board and say, okay, here's what we're going to do first. Here's how we're going to implement these strategies. Here's how we're going to simplify them and really, really integrate them into your life. So it's not overwhelming. And I think that's the beauty of working with my clients one-on-one is that it's all personalized and, uh, but we work with them over a period of four months. So this is not testing and done. This is, you know, we're, we're guiding you or with you uh, multiple times a month um, to really, you know, keep you accountable, keep you, you know, focused on, on healing and attaining your goals, and then really giving you that momentum so that you can carry that beyond working with us. But really the secret sauce is the support and the combination of that in addition to the labs. Awesome. And I know I'll link, you mentioned the Beyond Dopamine course that you're giving access to. I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm for you guys listening on the go, as well as the link to your um, more comprehensive program that you just talked about as well. So those will both be in the show notes. And a few other questions I love to ask for the end of interviews. The first being if there is a book or number of books that have really profoundly impacted you personally, and if so, what they are and why. Yes. So I think the one that comes to the top of my mind is Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I, I love his work. I love the research behind the power of meditation and how we can heal our bodies, manage our emotions, and even improve our genetic expression through meditation. And I think that his work, because it's so backed by actual research, it's not the pseudoscience that people want to believe that it is. It's really amazing uh, work that he's done. So I love that. I love his book, Becoming Supernatural. Also a big fan of Marie Forleo. I know I just saw that you had her on recently. Oh my goodness. I am a big fan of her. I just love her work. I love her book. Everything is figure outable because it does give us this mindset of like, okay, I've got this. Yes. Life's hard. I sometimes I don't know the best next step, but I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and just figure this life out. So those two are probably my favorite. I love that. I'll link both of those in the show notes as well. If you guys haven't read them, I echo the recommendation on both of them. And lastly, any parting advice you want to leave with the listeners today that could be related to everything we talked about or entirely unrelated? Hmm. I think it would just be to reiterate that you deserve to ask why. You deserve to work with somebody who is going to listen and support and really help you uh, without gaslighting you and really understanding um, what your needs are and what your goals are and helping you to get to root cause instead of band-aiding. But really, just most importantly, ask why. Become that annoying three-year-old that just why, 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 why. It's okay to keep asking why and to dig further into your health because it's your health and we want to maximize it and you know, optimize it. So ask more questions, work with the mentors that you that you need to work with to get you to the next best step. And don't take a diagnosis just for what it is. It's just it's a label or take it for just a label that is a classification of, of symptoms. That's it's all it is. And of course, a diagnosis can give us comfort and answer a lot of questions, but don't stop there ask why, why do I have this diagnosis? Why do I have these symptoms? Just keep digging deeper. I think that's my biggest piece. I love that so much. And I think this is something I've said on here before. At the end of the day, we are each our own primary healthcare provider. And the impetus is on us to ask why and to find the answers and to figure out what's going to work for us. 
And the best outcomes tend to occur when we get to partner with someone who has a unique understanding of whatever we're specifically going through and maybe has some pieces we don't currently have. And who, to your point, it sounds like you're very much this type of practitioner, actually listen and actually get a whole person understanding of what's going on and don't just look at the symptoms. And I also love that you really mentioned about don't associate with the label. That was something in my own mentality I shifted. Instead of saying, I have thyroid disease, I started even just saying, I'm recovering from or I'm healing every day from and and just like not making that label part of my identity anymore and and being willing to let go of that and work through and find the answers. So I just I love your approach. I love your passion in this and I know you're helping so many people. I'm really grateful to you for for being here today and for sharing. Thank you. I'm grateful for you as well. I appreciate your work. And thank you, as always, to all of you who are listening for sharing your most valuable assets, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks, as always, for listening.